How's everybody doing today? Doing good? All right, so good to see you. Oh, three people's doing great today, man. All right. Awesome. How are we doing today? Doing good? All right, good. Hey, I want to thank you guys for being here this morning. I also want to thank those that are joining us online. we got some in the overflow room as well. And uh, we're so glad and honored to have you here with us today. Uh, I'm looking forward to sharing with you this morning. We had a great time in our first service, and I believe God wants to do another work in our lives today. I pray, I pray that He encourages you, and I pray, God, that he, I pray to God that He would build your faith and uh, as you continue to walk with Him. If you got your Bibles this morning, you can go ahead. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4. We've been journeying through the book the last uh, few weeks, and it's been an incredible journey together. Uh, I've enjoyed our time. I hope that you've enjoyed our time uh, in the book of Nehemiah. There's a lot of great truth and principles that we can begin to apply. Um, It's not just a story about building walls and projects and things of that nature. It's a story about God's redemption. It's a story about God's redeeming a people his people, and rebuilding their lives and drawing them closer to Him. And I pray that we understand that we all have lives to build. We all have families to build. We all have uh, areas in our life that we need to build. And it's important that we build them on the Lord. And I pray that this has been a great reminder uh, through that. Again, I want to encourage everybody, even if you haven't signed up, come hang out with us tonight. Uh, during the Super Bowl. Uh, we have a great time watching it on the big screen, so you can't get a bigger TV than that. So it's a lot of fun. We had a good time. We got some good snacks, good eats. And uh, even if you just want to come watch the first half and go home, I know some of you may have to go to bed. Like, I'll just be honest, like 8.30, 8.45 is about my bedtime. So uh, as I get a little bit older, it gets a little bit uh, earlier and earlier. But anyway, um, but it's a great time, great opportunity to get connected because you don't get to get an opportunity to get connected on Sunday morning. You don't get to really meet people. Sometimes we do in passing, but you really get to sit down with people and just uh, introduce yourself and uh, meet other people. It's just a great, great time uh, together. Uh, I know the Cowboys are not playing tonight, okay? So, like, I get it. This is my annual on Super Bowl Sunday, wear my Cowboys jersey, loud and proud, right? No matter what. And uh, we're going to go ahead and make the cry and make the plea. Uh, can't wait till next year. Okay. All right. So uh, that's our motto at the uh, current moment, situation, circumstance. But anyway, uh, I'm a true fan. I wear it when they do well. I wear it when they do good. I'm not a bandwagon fan. I'm just telling you. Okay. All right. A lot of people, it's like whoever's winning, that's who they're for. But I'm not judging anybody. I'm just saying, you know. So anyway. Let's get into Word, okay? All right, can we do that Do that this morning? So in Nehemiah, we've been, um, uh, I just want to kind of recap where we've been. Uh, I love to do that. It just helps us to kind of stay current and remember as we're building each and every week uh, just how it all comes together and applies together. And uh, somebody, this this preacher, he went to this uh, church. It was uh, a new church that he went to, and he kept preaching the same sermon over and over and over and over again like every week every Sunday he preached the same thing and finally somebody came up to him and said do you not know anything like why do you preach the same thing every week he said well when we get this one we'll move on to the next one all right so it's like you know so it's good to recap re good it's it's good to understand uh what we're building upon so Nehemiah uh, has it made like we talked about that in week one he has a very good job he is the cupbearer to the king of Persia uh, he's in the winter palace, right? He's on a winter retreat, and things in life are good from the outside looking in. He gets 
word from some of his family members that the people of Jerusalem are still living in ruins. They're still living in devastation. The walls have been destroyed. The gates have been burned down. And it was a very, very terrible time for the people of Israel, for the people, uh, uh, God's people. And when Nehemiah heard this, it broke his heart. So much so that he went to fast and he went to pray. And again, remember, we talked about this. It wasn't just like a one-time thing. Like he spent four months fasting and praying. And he knew that God was calling him to lead this charge. And at that moment in time, he doesn't have all the details. He doesn't have all the understanding of how God's going to do it. He just knows that God is leading him and calling him to lead this charge. And so while he's praying and fasting, he's also planning, right? He's planning. He's writing things down. If I'm going to lead this charge, if I'm going to go back and do what God, what I believe that God's asking me to do, then here's some things that's going to take in order to do that. And he had prayed about that. And while he was praying, fasting, and and planning, he was able to discern what his purpose and where he fit into what God was calling him to do. It's the same principle for us. When we pray, when we plan, when we fast, like it allows us to discern what our part is in God's purpose and God's calling for our lives. And so Nehemiah had done this. And when the king asked him, what can I do to help you? He didn't say, well, you know what? I really hadn't thought about that. He was ready, right? He prayed to God, I need you to help me in this moment. I need you to help me articulate, right? It's just real quick. I need you to help me share what needs to be shared in this moment. And he shared with the king and the king said, I'll give you everything that you're asking for. I'll give you time away. I'll give you protection. I'll give you provision. And listen, you do what you need to do. Again, Nehemiah's gone 12 years. So this is a, a big, big conversation that he's having with the king. He's not, he's not asking him for light things, right? He's saying, I'm going to throw it out here on the table in order to do what I need to do. Like, this is what I need. And God provided that. And what a huge reminder that is for you and I, that God is at work in our lives. And then when God leads you, like it's the old saying, when God, where God leads, God what? provides. He will enable. He will make a way. We've got to trust. We've got to act in faith. And we've got to be willing to move forward to do what God's called us to do. It takes courage. It's not for the faint of heart. And listen, I'm not just talking about a building project, again, of restoring a city. I'm talking about walking spiritually. God's called you to build your life on Him. And it's not for the faint of heart. It's not easy. It's difficult at times. And it, it takes warfare, right? We have to engage in battle and we have to be willing to trust the Lord in difficult circumstances and situations. And it's important that we remember and we know that God is with us and He is for us every step of the way. And He wants to provide. He wants to protect. He wants to give us exactly what we need. And when we walk in him, we get to experience his goodness. And that's one of the things when you read the book of Nehemiah, he tells people, he reminds people that the good hand of the Lord was upon him. And the good hand of God is upon you and I too. If you are in Christ, if you know the Lord, like he is with you every step of the way. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that. So I love as we're leading up, uh, to to, to chap the end of chapter two, we talked about how Nehemiah went and he surveyed and he looked around and he seen what needed to be done. He was willing again to act upon that. And then in chapter three, we seen where everybody found their place on the wall. Everybody did their part. This family did that. This family did this. All of them used their gifts and the wall was being built in record time. I mean, they are working at a rapid pace. I mean, things are going as planned. It couldn't go better. Matter of fact, when you go and you read Chapter four, underline verse six. We're not going to, we're going to start in verse seven of chapter four, okay? Because what happens is Nehemiah gets worried again that there's opposition. And then he prays his prayer. Lord, I pray that, 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 man, you just, that good things don't happen to these people, right? And that's kind of hard to navigate through when you're reading that a little bit because 
Jesus said that you should what? Concerning your enemies. You should pray for your enemies. But again, Nehemiah's like, hey, Lord, we need you to hold them at bay. We need you to put them in check. You've called us to do this. You've called us to move in this direction. We're going to continue to do that. And in verse 6, it says that everybody was working, right? The walls are halfway completed. They're at the halfway point. The walls are halfway completed, and everybody was working enthusiastically. Everybody was excited about the work that was being done. But you know what happens? Remember what we talked about? When God says, let's rise up and build, what's the enemy going to say? Let's tear it down. An attack, spiritual attack, will come. And one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is, I believe one of the greatest tools of the enemy is discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged before? If you've been discouraged, raise your hand. Like I was praying, Lord, help me to kind of segue into today, like literally yesterday, and God provides, right? He, he provides. So my wife and I, I told you last week we moved, and so one of the things that we had done just to get in the house is we'd put our box springs and our mattress just on the floor. We had ordered a bed. It was supposed to come before we moved. It didn't. You know the whole scenario. We ordered it from Amazon. Never ordered furniture from Amazon before. I read the reviews, and, you know, some people said, like, hey, this was a cinch and easy, and several people said, like, it was very difficult and things didn't work out, and I was like, well, those people probably didn't know what they were doing. You know, it's like all this kind of stuff and everything. It's like, I can handle this. I can take this. So anyway, we got the bed, and we're getting to it yesterday, okay? It's one of those uh, fabric platform beds. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of you may not have any idea. It's all right. You can Google it, okay? But anyway, it's this platform bed, and it's got all the, it comes in, it came in just like a box, and it's this big king size bed. But anyway, so I started getting this stuff out, and of course, Missy's with me, and she's kind of my navigator. She's helping me navigate through the directions, right? Because uh, it really didn't have words describing. It was just kind of a picture, and so it, like I just needed her to articulate to me what I needed to do, and I would be glad to do that. And so as I'm doing that, some of the things went together early on fairly easy, and then all of a sudden, it got like really hard. Like, but and here's the reason it got hard. It was because none of the holes were aligning with one another where you put the bolts in. I mean, there would be like almost a half an inch off. Like, so there's not a lot of twisting and a lot of turning and loosening of other things. So here's the deal. I started on that thing like at 10 o'clock in the morning. At 10.30 last night, I was still putting it together. And you want to talk about some come to Jesus meetings throughout the day? Like, I mean, our, our marriage is better for it, you know, because of it, you know? Uh, it was difficult. It was turbulent at times. We talked about going to see a counselor and all that kind of stuff because like it got so discouraging. Like I thought it was going to be a cinch. I thought it was going to be easy. And then we get about halfway point and I'm like, I'm ready to burn this thing down. I don't know if you've ever been like been around me much like, but I'm, I'm an emotional person. And so like where I moved from, like we had acreage and stuff and it would be nothing for me. Like if I get discouraged, frustrated, I just walk outside and scream to the top of my lungs and nobody would care. But now there's people all around me, right? So I just had to go into the closet, right? And just do a quiet scream, right? You know, as well as I couldn't just walk in and put a smile back on my face and say, I love you, honey. And, uh, you know, let's do this. And so, but I got discouraged. Like I wanted to quit. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to quit. Now, I know that's about a bad. Now, I will tell you this. I did get it put together. Okay? Yes, you go ahead. We had to do some Rob Melton on it. But anyway, I had to go get my own screws, and I just started drilling. And Missy's like, is it going to hold together? I was like, oh, it's going to hold. Yeah, it's no choice. I promise. So we made it through the night, right? It was still standing when I left this morning. So you guys pray for that bed. It could fall at any time. I may have to call Matt. Matt's my helper when I'm in my time of need. So anyway... 
But it's like in life, though, like it's more than just building a bed. There's things in life to where that you set out to do, and then all of a sudden it doesn't begin to happen or transpire the way that you assumed or you thought it was. And it's easy to get discouraged. It's also easy to get discouraged. Like, you know, when you set out, Lord, I'm going to honor you. Lord, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to surrender my life to you. Do you know that that's when like real battle begins? Like the attack sometimes from outside, sometimes from within. Sometimes people say, well, who do you think that you are? Well, look at you. You're trying to be all super spiritual. And you get real discouraged and you get real frustrated, right? And sometimes it deters you or it puts you in a position where you say, you know what? Enough is enough. I just want to quit. Like, what's the use? My life was much easier before I started to move in this direction. So discouragement is one of the greatest tools the enemy has. And that's why we talked about, like, we need to understand this is warfare that we're talking about. Ephesians 6, again, Ephesians 6 is we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but we're fighting against principalities, against spiritual wickedness, right? Against the heavenly realms. And so our enemy is not people, right? Our adversary is not people. We have a real spiritual enemy, right? The adversary, it's, it's the, the devil and his demons, right? And he seeks walking to and fro who he may, he may devour, as it says in 1 Peter 5, 8. And so Paul goes on to articulate in Ephesians chapter 6, that's why it's important that you put on the whole armor of God. Not some of it, not most of it, but put on the whole armor of God. And here's why, he says, so that you can stand against the wicked, or in one translation says the wicked wiles of the devil, or against the tactics of the devil, right? We're to be able to stand. We're to be able to be in combat. And so one of the things that he says that we're to grab a hold of, if you guys are with me, say, I am. To grab a hold of the shield of faith. And he says, like the enemy fires fiery arrows at you, darts of discouragement, darts of doubt, right? And if we're not careful, if we don't hold on to faith, we don't hold on to our calling, we don't hold on to what God has led us to do, if we don't remind ourselves who we are in Christ and who He is in our life and that He goes before us and that He makes a way, we will allow doubt and discouragement to creep in and we will walk away from what God has for us and we'll miss out on a great opportunity. That's where the people are at. They're at a crossroads. Things have been going well. They're halfway through. You know how it is when you get halfway done with something. It's just like you're excited at home. You can't wait to paint that living room or whatever, and you're going to tackle it. You're going to do it. And you again, like we talked about, you watch it on HG and TV. HGTV, it took 30 minutes for them to do that. Like You can knock this out in no time. And then you get halfway, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I still got to cut in. I got all these things. What have I done? You, you begin to feel some things. But we want to talk about, spiritually speaking, not allowing discouragement to move and to work in our heart. So if you got your Bibles, let's look here. We're going to start in verse 7. Again, thinking in your mind, the Scripture ends right there in verse 6 that they had been working enthusiastically, and that's important to remember. So here again, here's these three guys that keep bringing trouble to Nehemiah. They're a thorn in his flesh, if you will. I think it's important to remember God doesn't remove them. Uh, all throughout Nehemiah, like these people still continue to be there. Those opposition, those the obstacles that confront are there. And that's one of the things that we need to remember. God will not always remove opposition or obstacles. And opposition and op- obstacles are always an opportunity for God to get the glory, for God to move in a great and mighty way and to see his power at work and to remind him, that, uh, reminding us that he goes before us. But look what it says in verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs Ammonites and Ashdites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were being repaired. 
It said they were furious. They were not happy. They were asking, like, who do these people think that they are? Who does Nehemiah think that he is? Who gave him the right? Like, they're just upset that this wall, this rebuilding is taking place. They had been laughing. They had been ridiculing the people of God. And they were furious that this was happening. Again, the enemy is going to be furious when you start following Jesus. When you start adhering to what God's called you to do, the enemy will attack. And they were furious. And it says in verse 8, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our God, you can underline that, but we prayed to our God and guarded the city, right? Not only did they pray, but they put some feet on them prayers and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. Again, you can underline this right here because the first attack we see is outside the people of God. The second attack that dart of discouragement comes from within like if you ever worked on something we'll talk about that just in a moment and you're moving in a direction and then sometimes people don't see the end goal in mind but anyway they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion but we prayed to God guard the city then the people of Judah began to complain the workers are getting tired and there's much rubble you can underline that their circle tired rubble all that stuff to be moved we will never be able to build right? Never be able, you can underline that. I've underlined and highlighted and all kinds of stuff. Those are important truths right there that we need to look at this morning. But we'll never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Verse 11 says, meanwhile, our enemies were saying before they know what's happening. We will swoop down on them and kill them and end their working. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed guards. Okay, Nehemiah's beginning to take action. So I placed guards, armed guards, behind the lowest parts of the wall. In the exposed areas, I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. And then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. And the laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding the weapon. Now, Man, I want you to think about that. They're working and they're battling at the same time. I want you to keep that vision in your mind. Well, what causes discouragement? We're talking about discouragement today and how the enemy wants to discourage us. Again, we have lives to build. We have families to build. Our relationship with the Lord, like we want to continue to build upon that day in, day out. And the enemy tries to discourage us and disarm us and deter us from being where God wants us to be. So what causes us to be discouraged? Well, I want you to look in verse 10. One of the things that sticks out, number one, the people again have been working. Man, they were actively working. They were building the wall that God had called them to build. And man, they rallied around that and they were doing it enthusiastically. But now they're getting opposition. They're facing not only from without outside the walls, but within the walls as well. And the reason that the people were discouraged, it says in verse 10, number one, they were tired. They were tired. They had been working. And listen, here's what I know. Here's what I know about all of us. Like, it's important. It's important that we don't run on empty. 
It's important that you find rest. I'm not just talking about not only physical rest, but I'm talking about spiritual rest as well. When you look at the life of Jesus, here's the thing that I want you to know about Jesus. Jesus was busy. He always had somewhere to go, something to do. And while he was going somewhere to do something, he always encountered someone who needed something. But there were multiple times and Jesus was always willing. He ministered to people. He loved on people. He fed people. But there were times when you read the Gospels that Jesus withdrew. And he got alone with the Father and he cried out to the Father and said, Lord, I need you to fill me. Because listen, when you are battling, there are going to be moments where you become tired, where you become weary. That's why the Scripture says don't grow weary in well-doing. Make sure that you're spending time with God. Make sure that physically that you're getting rest. I'm preaching to the choir right here. Make sure that you're not running and burning the candle at both ends because when you get tired, you're running on empty and it will affect your decision-making for the kingdom of God, for your own personal life, for your own family. You see, because when we become discouraged, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. It applies throughout the whole thing. When you become discouraged, you move from being God-centered to self-centered. When you become discouraged, you move from being God-centered to self-centered. You begin make, to make decisions based upon your wants, your needs, your desires at that time. And when you are hangry, if you will, spiritually speaking, you haven't been drinking from the living water. You haven't been feeding on the Word of God, right? When you get put in situations and circumstance and life is hitting you hard from every angle and you feel opposed in every direction that you're going, if you are not careful, you will go down a path that you never intended to go down because you have become self-centered. But when we're full, when we're filled and the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding and directing our path, then, then we begin to make decisions based upon God's kingdom and God's truth and what God has and what's best for our lives. They were tired. Some of you are running and running and running. And again, I'm preaching to the choir. It's a great reminder to understand that it's important to pull away and rest. Sometimes you have to say no to good things in order to have the main thing in your life. And when we do, God will fill us and he will meet us exactly where we are. So don't allow yourself to run on empty. They were tired. And because that they were tired, they've been working, not only were they tired, but they were overwhelmed. I want you to imagine, they've been working on this wall tirelessly. They've been going at it day and night, doing as much as they can, getting as much done every single day with all the daylight that they could utilize. They're using every single bit of it. But as they were working, there was still a lot to do. Again, it's the halfway point that's always critical. That's always a crossroad, right? No matter where we're going, no matter what we're doing. There's always a crossing, a crossroad to where that we have to make a decision. Am I going to stay the course or am I going to bail out? They looked around and even though that the wall had been halfway done in record amount of time, they looked and still seen that there was a great amount of rubble. There was a great amount of debris. There was a great amount of destruction still around them, right? And it was overwhelming. And I couldn't help but think about that. It's like, you know, my first thought was like, well, I've experienced that. Like, have you ever walked into your kid's room and you just like walked away and turned and shut the door? 
You know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know? Amen. It's like, man, I can't deal with this right now. It's like, I need to go somewhere. It's just too much. It's overwhelming. I need to get out of this room. But sometimes that's true in your own personal life because of our sin, because of our decisions. Sometimes it's not even because of our own doing. It's because of what somebody else has done. It's created havoc in our own heart, in our own life. But there is debris, ruins lying all around. And we look at it and we say, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get past this. I don't know if I can ever come out of this. I get it. I hear it. I know that God does that in other people's lives. And I know that he has. I've heard their stories. But I'm not sure that he'll do it in mine. And we begin to be overwhelmed. I want to remind you today that you serve a great God. I want to remind you that the God who began a good work in you is the same God who will continue to complete that work until the day he comes again. I want to encourage you to trust the Lord, to hold on to the shield of faith, to not allow discouragement to dishearten you, to deter you from being where God wants you to be. Don't allow the overwhelming. Understand that you have a big God. Don't just focus on the rubble, the debris around you. It's one piece at a time, one bite at a time, one day at a time. Trust in the Lord every step of the way, and He will see you through. You may not know how, you may not know when, and sometimes you get weary, sometimes you get tired, but listen, just hold on to the hem of His garment. Hold on tight and don't let go and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, move in my heart. Move in my life today. Lord, I'm believing, I'm claiming, I'm trusting. Your word is true and you're faithful. Not only were they overwhelmed, but they were also, they had also lost their passion, their zeal. Again, verse six said they worked with enthusiasm. But you know that whenever you begin a good work, it's hard. It's hard. It's like I've, I talk a little bit about like planning a church. I was so excited about planning a church, what God called me. And then all of a sudden you get in the middle of it and it's like, oh my goodness, this is hard. I didn't realize it was going to be this hard. I just thought like, Lord, you were going to do this thing and we're just going to show up. And we're just going to have church and it's going to be awesome. But there was a lot of moving parts and there were a lot of things. It's like, I'm not equipped. I'm not qualified. Again, it's in those moments where you realize how small you are and how insufficient you are. And that's exactly where God wants you. Because again, you got to depend on his strength, his power, his goodness, his might. But they had lost their passion. They had forgotten why they were doing what they were doing. They began to doubt that we'll ever complete this. And you can imagine there is nothing more discouraging for a leader then when you're working together and, man, you share this truth that, hey, this is what we're doing, this is where we're going, and you're in the middle of it and somebody says, it's not working. If you've ever been the leader before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's always somebody says, listen, this isn't going to work. And it's discouraging, it's disheartening. Sometimes you have to turn your ears off to what the outside noise is and listen to the one voice. Make sure, number one, this is what God's calling you to do. Make sure, number one, this is what God's asking you to do. You better be sure that, Lord, this is you telling me to come. And if it's you, I'm going to come. Nehemiah stays the course. But his people were discouraged. And it could have, it could have brought them to a point to where that they didn't complete the wall. Now, if you guys are still with me, say, I am. So what does Nehemiah do? 
Talked about the cause, what's, what's the cure? Well, Nehemiah did some things, and it's important that we do these in our life as well. The first thing, the first thing that Nehemiah did from the scripture that we read this morning is that he assured his people, and he urged them to remember the Lord, that the Lord was working. He pointed them back to the Lord. This is God's call on our life. Sometimes that's all you have is God's call. And sometimes when we talk about God's call, sometimes we put it in the context of we think about ministry, like being up on stage in front of people. There's a calling on your life. Now, I want you to know something. I tell you this all the time. Everyone in here is called. You're called. God's gifted you. God's called you. God has set you apart for his purposes, for his glory. Use those gifts. And when you use those gifts, you have to remember your calling. When you wonder, why am I doing what I'm doing? This is a lot to deal with. I'm getting bombarded from all around. I would just better be, it would be better for me just to quit, to go find another job, to do another thing. Again, too hard, too difficult. And sometimes you just come back to, but God, you called me to do this. And you have to hold on to that. And you have to trust that again. He points them back to God. He, he reminds them to remember the Lord. Again, one of the things that Nehemiah says is that the good hand of God was upon me. He reminded that the good hand of the Lord was upon the people. And I want to remind you, if you're in Christ, the good hand of the Lord is upon you. He loves you. He is for you. He is not against you. Like you need to remember that. You need to remind it. Stay the course. And sometimes, as we talked about, you have to remind yourself of God's past faithfulness. And that's what Nehemiah does. Remember, look what all the Lord has done. Rather than look to see all the debris, all the discouragement, all the despair. Yes, there's a lot to do. But look where we've come from. See what God has done. And if he did this, he will do that. And he will get the glory. He will get the honor. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself, again, as we talked about last week, and remember God's previous faithfulness in your own personal life. You've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Here's the other thing. He armed his people, equipping them for battle as they built. So in other words, he said, listen, there's a battle taking place. There's war taking, uh, uh, that we're taking on. And we need to be prepared. We need to work with one hand and we need to battle with the other hand. And that's exactly what God's called us to do, spiritually speaking. Always on guard, always alert, always continuing to work and allow God to work in the, uh, through us and, and allow him to be lifted up and to be glorified. He armed his people, equipping them for the battles. He, they guarded the city. Verse 9 said they guarded the city day and night. And then what does he do? This is important. Sometimes you have to remember this as well. He rallied his people, reminding them of the vision of what God had set before them. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, he said in verse 14. He says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great. And again, some of us just need to be reminded of how great, of how wonderful the Lord is. And I couldn't help but think about as I was reading this of another Old Testament passage of Scripture when the people of Israel were moving into the promised land, but there was this town called Jericho, the city called Jericho, that was kind of in their way, and God had said to Joshua, like, I'm going to give you this city. Like, I want, I want you to know that, listen, I'm going to put this, I'm going to deliver this into your hands, and 
I'm going to be lifted up and glorified because of that. And so he's been getting away from, uh, from people and getting with God and hearing from God. And people are waiting to hear from Joshua about how they're going to handle this situation. Now put yourself in the people of Israel's situation. Your leader, right, has went away. He's been praying. He's been calling out to God to get a plan, to get direction, to get wisdom, to get vision. And he comes back and he says, all right, listen, I've heard from the Lord. And everybody's like, yeah, we can't wait. We're about to wage war. We're about to go to battle. We're getting our sword. We're getting all these things right here. We're ready to go. And, jo and Joshua says, listen, here's the deal. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's what God said. We're going to march around the city for seven days. Now, I, 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 know, I know if you're like me, the first thing I would have been, been was like, what? What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What good is walking going to do? And I'm sure, listen, there were over a million people with the people of Israel at this time. So I'm sure that Joshua heard more than enough from people grumbling and griping about what was going to be done and how it was going to be done. But what had happened? He heard from God. God said this. It might have seemed crazy to everybody. It might have seemed silly to everybody, but he was going to hold on to that shield of faith and he was going to move forward in the direction that God called him to do. And he says, listen, I hear you. I understand that. Thought the same thing probably when God first told me, but God said, this is what we're going to do. And on the seventh day, we're going to blow the trumpets like nobody's business. And so you know what the people did? They trusted God. Even when they didn't understand it, they trusted God and they just started walking around Jericho. Day one, day two, day three. I'm sure people are wondering at day three, it's like, I just don't know if anything's going to happen. Day four, day five, day six. I'm sure by day six, somebody said, you know what? We've been doing this for six days. Six days. I mean, I could have I been, been cutting the grass or uh, raking the sand or whatever, you know. Just, I could have been doing, doing something useful. And I'm sure that there are people thinking about, you know what? I'm out. This is silly. This is dumb. I couldn't help but think, but what if they quit on six? And I feel like that's where a lot of people are sometimes. They've been marching. They've been trusting. They've been holding on to the end of the garment. And it feels often at times that nothing is happening. There's no hope to be found. And discouragement sets in. Don't quit on six. Don't. Don't quit on six. Keep moving. Because there came a time on the seventh day that they walked around. They blew the trumpets just as God instructed them to do. And you know what happened? They seen an incredible work of God, a miracle of God. And some of you may just be on the verge of an incredible miracle of God, don't check out. What if the people of God during this project said, you know what, it's too big, it's too great, we're tired, it's overwhelming, we're out. Well, they would have missed out on an incredible feat that God did within 52 days. So Nehemiah instructed the people, and this is the word for us today, you got to get back to work. Got to get back to work. Stay focused. Stay the course. Stay the journey on what God's called you to do. Be true to his word. Live out your faith day in, day out. 
knowing that when it doesn't feel like they're away, God's making a way. And then the other thing that he did, he guarded the low spots. Did you check that? Did you catch that while we were reading that? He guarded the low spots. In other words, vulnerable areas on the wall. He warned them to be careful and to be on guard. If you're going to keep going, like I'm going to ask you, like, what are the vulnerable spots in your life? What are the low areas in your life? What are the trigger points that keep you from walking and being where God wants you to be? What are you allowing to control and consume your heart and your life? that you know that doesn't honor the Lord, that you know has a stronghold? What are the low points? You know, it's like it's important that you have other people, that you, that you confess those things to the Lord, that you give those things. Be honest about it. You may have people in your life that are quote-unquote accountability partners. You ever heard that term before? I know it's a word that we use a lot, accountability. It's kind of a bad word in our culture today is accountability. But you know, accountability is only good as honesty. And a lot of times, accountability, what appears to be accountability is not really accountability because people are not really being honest. They're not being honest with themselves and they're not being honest with God. When you humble yourself before the Lord, this is what the gospel says. This is what the gospel teaches. This is why the gospel is good news. When you humble yourself to the Lord, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Healing begins when repentance is activated. When we humble ourselves before the Lord, God begins to do a work. And some of us just need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest of God. We need to quit being comfortable with the ruins that are laying around us. We don't need to be overwhelmed. We don't need to see that it's too great, too mighty. Our God is able. So build your life on him. He's the firm foundation. We sang about it this morning. He's the firm foundation. That's why Jesus said, he says, listen, and, and I believe it's in chapter 7 of, of the book of Matthew that he talks about this particular passage of Scripture where that song's based upon. He talks about two different people. One built their house on the sand. The other built their house on the rock. Both of those houses looked like they were exact on the exterior. And both experienced rain and wind. But one stood and the other fell. What's your life being built upon? Are you allowing discouragement? Are you allowing it to dishearten you, to keep you from being where God wants you to be? Listen, surrender, give it to the Lord today, and then let's get back to work. Get back to work. There's a city that needs to know Jesus. You have family members that need to know Jesus. You have people that you go to school with that need to know Jesus. You play ball with people who need to know Jesus. Let's get to work. That's the call. It's God's redemption. It's God's restoration. It's God's story. And he wants to do it in your life. Be the person like Nehemiah said, Lord, here I am, send me. I know Isaiah said that too, but he didn't say, Lord, send somebody else to rebuild that wall. He said, Lord, I'm ready. I'm available. You be available. Myself be available. And as we labor together, we'll see God do an incredible work. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father.